Irons is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to UIONS, the West Ham podcast that gives you immediate reaction to the latest West Ham matches in association with The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. I'm joined by uh, Rashane Thomas from The Athletic, their West Ham correspondent, who's been up at the Etihad this evening watching what was a disappointing performance, to say the least, from the Hammers. Rashane, what did you make of it? Yeah, I agree with you, Sam. Very disappointing. I mean, another game where West Ham conceded from a goal from a set-piece, no shots on target... Um, a lot of fans think Moyes is very negative with his tactics, and I agree. I was thinking, like, you know, we have a lot of tough games coming up. Why, why just, we just go for it? You know what I mean? We don't have to be negative all the time. That's my biggest takeaway from the game, anyway. I, I watched when I was watching the first half. To be honest, I my biggest concern going into this fixture was we were going to get smashed really badly, and that would just lead to such a collapsing confidence in the team that we'd have no hope of getting through you know, another next sort of four or five weeks of fixtures is extremely tough. It's unrelenting. I wasn't too disappointed in the first half because although we didn't create many chances, I thought apart from switching off for that goal, we looked quite well organised in defence. Um, but as the second half wore on and it became clear that there wasn't really much of a plan or a desire to, you know, push push a little bit forward and chance our arm anymore then it did get a little depressing. What did you feel when you saw the team selection tonight? Haller dropped, you know, a, a, a wealth of attacking talent, including the new boy on the bench. What did you make of that? Did you did you have a bad feeling as soon as you saw the no, team No, you know sheet? what? When I saw the team sheet, I, I, I agreed with uh, Haller being dropped. I thought like, I've actually been ages ago. Mm. But for me, I thought like we should have put Bowen in from the start. Mm. I thought like we have nothing to lose of not, put, not putting in Bowen. I mean, we need to create chances, score goals, and Bowen can offer us that. I thought we should have at least started uh, Anderson, let Anderson play for the first hour of it, take him off so it can be a bit more match shot for Liverpool game. And then when I saw the um, like the back five, that's when I thought, I mean, we've been like poor defending all season. Surely it would have been better to like get another attacking player on the field instead of being a bit negative and going over a back five. It was really surprising to me that yeah. after all the fanfests surrounding Jared Bowen, that he didn't start yeah. tonight. It makes me think. What was the point of that signing? Were we really making a signing with one eye on next season in the Championship? Because, you know, £20 million, maybe more, it's not a small amount of money for a club like West Ham. That has got to be someone we pin our hopes to. You know, we, we haven't had anyone scoring consistently. So we've bought a player from the Championship who's got an incredible goal-scoring record. Why on earth wouldn't have he played up front? I mean... It would be very hard to drop Snodgrass after the performances he's put in recently. He's one of the few players who's, who's you know, played well um, over the, the last couple of months. But I felt as if you wanted to see 
Bowen in support of Antonio up front. That would have given us the best chance. And the couple of tiny glimpses of goal that we got were when Antonio managed to break, find some space. There was one one moment in the first half where he put a beautiful ball across the six-yard box and, and Snodgrass didn't quite have the pace to get there. If Bowen had been in the side, you know, I, I have a, you know, I've got a feeling we might have cashed in on some of those chances. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, when it comes to like playing Antonio up front on, on his own, it works in a sense where he offers us so much pace. And like, he brings others into play. And like, a game that comes to mind is the 1-0 win over Chelsea. I mean, that, mm. my opinion, that win was largely down to Antonio just being so great for the team, getting yeah. others involved. And I feel like if we had more pace around him, perhaps we would have been able to replicate something similar. Obviously, Stoglass has been in great form. Obviously, he doesn't have the pace, but he's been in great form. So, as you mentioned, if that had been someone like a Bowen, then it could have been an entirely different story. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, what's funny is Antonio can get the ball and carry the ball forward and scare defences with his pace. But he breaks away and no one else in the team can keep yeah. up with him. Yeah, so exactly. he finds himself going down cul-de-sacs and having to turn back again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and it frustrates fans because fans are thinking, like, here we are, you know, we're, we're, we're breaking on the counter-attack and the rest of the team is, you know, in uh, Man City's own half of the field. Like, what's going on? OK, I know you've just spoken to David Moyes in the press conference. Let's have a little listen to what you had to say. No, I thought tonight the right player to play to, to affect Man City was Mickey Antonio as, as a front player. Snodgrass is well played up front in the first half in a position where we hoped that maybe we could get him where he scored a couple of goals recently. So it was a decision, it was tactically to see if we could use it. We thought that Mickey's speed could cause some problems. I thought at times it did. Uh, I think we probably just lacked a little bit of quality in the end when it got to it. I felt that if we could get a little bit further into the second half, that would be the time to make the attacking changes. I thought my mind was always that we needed to get on, we couldn't. We didn't want to open up too early against them. And my feeling was to, to wait a little bit longer. So he felt that he, he got it right, despite the fact we lost 2-0. He didn't really have any regrets or reflections on his team selection, did he? I mean, no regrets or whatsoever. I mean, I asked David about five questions in that press conference and he didn't bite at all. You know, he stuck to his gun. He said he was happy with the formation he put out. In fact, I asked him, you know, with West Ham being 1-0 down at half-time, do you perhaps thought you should have gambled a little bit and made some attacking changes? Considering we're still in the game, he was like, nope, still happy with what we're, with what we're producing in the pitch. We looked defensively solid and whatnot. So, yeah, but he's happy with it. But a lot of fans travelling home from Manchester tonight thinking like it's an opportunity missed. I think that it, it's quite clear that he went into this game thinking we will not get any points, but I will consider it almost like a small victory if we come back having not received a thrashing. Yeah. And that's what he achieved. And he was actually pleased about it. Um, this is why, Rashane, there's a lot of West Ham fans tonight saying that we might as well take the plunge and change manager again. As mad as that sounds, you know, it's, it's uh, mid-February, almost late February. We've already changed once, but he's come into the team. And... I'm not sure how I feel about this. I think it would be mad. And, and I've always, I don't know, I've got a small soft spot for Moyes. I think that given a chance at a club, you know, he he could replicate what he did at Everton. However, you know, the other way of looking at this is, is that 
he doesn't seem to know his best 11. He doesn't even seem to know his best formation. He hasn't really overseen any improvement of individual players. We haven't seen him kind of wake up the, the sleeping giants of our squad, like Felipe Anderson, Lanzini or Haller, you know. Um, and and it's really hard to see how he, he's going to improve things from here on in. I mean, you know, it, it's gathering pace, this desire amongst fans to see him replaced either by, you know, a, a Sam Allardyce type emergency manager who might have a, you know, have a decent chance keeping us up or just almost accepting that there's not much chance of us staying up now and bringing in someone, a, a complete maverick selection, people talking about people like, um, you know, put Kevin Nolan in charge now, he's at the club anyway, bring Joe Cole in as gaffer. What does it matter now? Let's just roll the dice. What, what do you think about that, Rashane? I think we should stick with Moyes. I mean, it's not, it hasn't been great, but I don't, I don't see the point in us, like, changing right now. I mean, considering we had ages when we sat Pellegrini to appoint a new manager, what, why change now? Just keep faith in Moyes and hopefully it will turn around at some point. But it's funny you should mention that because in my q and I had a question from Martin and the same thing he said. He said, do you think we should do a, a Watford and change manager, realising we made a mistake with Moyes? And I told him, I reckon, I reckon it's highly unlikely because the plan is to stick with Moyes. And obviously, bear in mind, the board didn't want to sack Pellegrini because it will cost him a lot of money. The same thing will happen if we sack Moyes. It will cost us a lot of money, so... Little Bird told me that someone someone on the board had said one of the appeals of, of getting Moyes as manager was because he was inexpensive and they could afford to sack him if they needed to. Now, I doubt they were thinking of of that in terms of something they would do this season. But they put him on another shortish contract, you know, and uh, I think it was that he's on an 18-month contract. His wages are relatively low because he'd been out of work for a while, so he wasn't in much of a bargaining position, you know. And and, and the, the whisper, the quote that I had given to me that, that some, uh, had been said to someone very senior in the club was, Listen, you know, it's a, it's a gamble worth taking because if we need to get rid of him, we can afford to do so. That's the sort of contract we put him on. Now, going into a managerial appointment with that kind of attitude doesn't really bode well for the future, does it? No, not at all. I'm just thinking, like, if if the club were, like, were to sack uh, David Moyes, you mentioned, like, Kevin Olin, like, even he, like, he's good, but he struggled at Notts County, I could think of. I mean, Leighton Orient. Like, mm. I see, he, he, even he wouldn't be the answer. Danny Cowley and his brother, they're at Huddersfield Town and I think they were at Lincoln City before that. Big, big West Ham fans, uh, growing reputation in the lower divisions um, uh, and a growing sort of reputation amongst West Ham fans. You go on, on social media or you listen to people at stadium, you know, uh, very popular choice amongst West Ham fans. And I think, you know, uh, it, there there is a school of thought of people thinking, we're going down. We look like a doomed team. We might as just as well take a decision now to bring bring some people in who you know might have a slim chance of keeping us up by trying something completely different. And even if they don't, they'll be um, you know extremely good position to take us uh, up again next season. You know, I was laughing thinking about because Moyes was appointed manager what in December, in December, and here we are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. possibility of Moyes being sacked. This is crazy. Well, thinking I mean, about. Look, look, Rache, this is look look what's happened since he came in. We had a tremendous result in his first game, 
at home to Bournemouth. And it and I, I genuinely felt that night that although Bournemouth were, you know, they were beset by injuries at the time. It wasn't that it was it was an easy game from start with. I genuinely thought there was something I saw in the team that night that we were going to turn things around. Then we beat Gillingham in the cup, but even that was a little bit of a scrappy win. And since then, nothing, you know, um, not even a glimpse. The, the only sort of good moment was being briefly 3-1 up against Brighton. And that ended up being an embarrassment. Uh, I, I don't think, I think I'm talking about it. I think it's a legitimate topic of discussion because there are so many West Ham fans calling for this now, right? There are so many people on Twitter tonight saying, what is the point of having this guy in charge when we are 2-0 down and he is leaving the amazing amount of attacking talent we had on the bench, just leaving them there as if he's he's happy to try and get away with a 2-0 win. Yeah. Even if I looked at our fixtures and I thought, well, that's okay, he's resting them because we've got some winnable games coming up. Let's just look at these fixtures, right? Uh, so we've got Liverpool next Monday at Anfield. Uh, then we've got Southampton at home. Now, that's a massive game because after that, we have got Arsenal away. Then we've got Wolves uh, We've got Sp- uh, at home. We've got Spurs away. And then we've got Chelsea at home. And that takes us right into April. Okay. Now, over those games, let's be realistic here, Shane. Uh, we're not going to get anything up at Anfield, that's for sure. We would hope and pray that we get the full three points against Southampton. I think there's a chance we might. If we if we get a result against Southampton, we might go to Arsenal with some confidence. And I think that there is a small chance in a London derby that we could get something off a pretty bang average Arsenal team. Um, that's on the 7th of March. Do you reckon? I doubt. <laughs> you doubt I, doubt, I doubt. You know what? In my opinion, I feel like we can get a run between, well, in April, between uh, Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich. I feel like right at the time, we'll probably we have the potential to go on a run. Because as you mentioned, the game and, and then after that, you got, after that, we've got Watford. Yep. And um, then you got United away. Well... Yep. There's something a bit magical about that fixture. Of course, of course. If West Ham are attempting to escape uh, almost certain relegation doom and then have to go and play Manchester United at Old Trafford, history tells us that that is a a mission impossible that we can pull off. Uh, We all remember 2007 with the Carlos Tevez game and then Villa last day of the season. So you're right. I think a lot of our hopes hinge on that run, like you say. That's from the 11th of April through till the last day of the season. That is a series of six games, five of which are very winnable. And even the one at Old Trafford, you fancy, you know, I mean, they're such an inconsistent team, man, you, that we might be able to nab something. My concern is, is that over these next three or four weeks, we, we lose all confidence because if we end up rock bottom of the table as a result of, you know, defeats against Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea, Wolves, we might have all but given up by the time we get to that Newcastle game. You start, you start to keep, keep, keep faith, keep, keep faith and hope that we can turn it around. I mean, I speak, I, speak, I, speak, I speak for a lot of fans and saying we don't want to be going to Preston, Nottingham Forest. Nah. You know what? The big time. <laughs> listen, listen. Do you know what, Rashane? I've actually 
been convincing myself <laughs> over the last two or three weeks that I'm perfectly fine with getting relegated. I've I've done this before. It can work, right? Sometimes you have to do it as a contingency plan. You have to start to, for instance, right? There is a strong argument that the championship is the best football league in the world, right? It is competitive. There are fantastic stadiums. There are amazing attendances. There are legendary clubs down in that division, right? And you look at the race for promotion in that division this season, and it's very similar most seasons, and how exciting it is, how how teams going right down from first all the way down to like 12th in the table are all still in the mix for promotion in some way or another. Uh, these are just some of the things I've been telling myself, and not just myself. I've been telling my eight-year-old son, Lenny, who is the most passionate West Ham fan I know and have ever known, but who has unfortunately never had to experience the bitter taste of relegation before. And I remember my first relegation as a West Ham fan. I think I was 14 and I cried. Um, I think we were sent down after a, a drubbing at Anfield and I cried, right? And it was really hard to take. And I think, uh, to my shame, in subsequent relegations, because I've been for a few since then, uh, where I'm basically an adult, I think I might have shed a tear. I won't now. I mean, I'm so battle-hardened to it now. I've got perspective. In fact, do you know what I might do? If I was a drinker, I'd pop open a champagne. As it is, I'd probably pop open an apple ties and raise a glass to championship football. Because you've got to prepare yourself. I've been preparing... Lenny, the whole time, I've been paying close attention to the thrilling promotion race that is currently unfolding in the championship. Um, you've got to do it, Rashane, haven't you? Or are you just blindly keeping the faith, even I'm, when you I'm, see a performance I'm, I'm, like I'm that I'm keeping tonight? the faith. But you know what? Funny to mention that, because on my way to the ground, I spoke to a supporter, his name is Peter, and he said, if we go down, the beat of it will be West Ham will like win more games. We'll see West Ham win on a regular basis. And it had me thinking, like, right. when was the last time we saw West Ham like, win, like, six games on a bounce or, like, four games on a bounce? It's been quite some time, so... Like, the enjoyment oh, of, of going and, to a match and, and seeing West Ham play well and win, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a good point you made. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, they're all, genuinely, there always is a silver lining. Plus, the club needs something of a reboot, you know. Last time West Ham went down, Avram Gant had overseen one of the worst seasons we've ever had, Right. We were absolutely dire. We had a, 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 a lot of rubbish players in the squad. The squad needed a revamp. And so the club took the plunge. They brought in Sam Allardyce. They bought Kevin Nolan. And we came back a stronger outfit and a better club with a better looking squad and more of a sort of character about us. Um, it happened before when we went down under Glen Roder and came back up under Alan Pardew. Sometimes you just need to like press restart on a club. And, and relegation can do that. And there are so many problems in this club at the moment. You know, um, the squad has been assembled. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts a lot. The way in which this squad has been assembled over a period of years with no strategy, no long-term thought, no, no rhyme or reason to it. It's a mess. It's a, a jumble of players. And, you know, we would almost benefit from a big clear-out that relegation would necessitate. You'd keep... Maybe four or five of the of the key first team squad in position, and then bring in a new manager and start over. I don't want us to get relegated, of course I don't. But you have to imagine that 
if we don't get relegated and we keep David Moyes on and we stick with this squad, there there can only be a similar experience lying ahead for us next year in the Premier League. On that cheery and positive note, Rashane, I'll leave you to it because I believe you're being slung out of wherever you are in the depths yep. of the Etihad Stadium, Manchester, yep, by, right? By, by a secret Millwall, Millwall fans. <laughs> yeah, Millwall infiltrate everywhere. Um, all right, well, all the best. Safe journey, Rashane, and we will speak again uh, next week after the Liverpool game. For sure, for sure, Sam. That's been this episode of You Irons from The Athletic. If you don't know The Athletic, then I suggest you should go and subscribe to it now uh, for a very small monthly sum. You will get daily fantastic writing on West Ham and the wider footballing world. So check that out. We'll be back straight after the Liverpool game. Uh, Get in touch with me at Delaney Man or Rashane at Rashane Sport. Uh, Come on, you irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one Samasi Abu. (laughs) 